I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Athletic Hockey Show. It's another Thursday edition of the show. Haley Salvian, Sean Gentili, Max Boltman here with you. Uh, we actually have some news to talk about this morning, guys. In a weird week where there was one game on Monday, one game on Wednesday, and 16 games on Tuesday, we were like, do we just talk about Frozen Frenzy for an hour? No. Um, we've got some news, guys. Shane Pinto suspended for 41 games for activities related to sports wagering. Feels like we should just get right into it. No need to ask about your day. I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, you didn't, you specifically didn't ask. Okay. I'm doing better than Shane Pinto. I didn't get to spend it for 41 games today. Uh, this is a lot of wreckage to sift through already, right? Like mm -hmm. it's a, it's a complicated situation. It, we just watched a lot of it unfold in real time, whether it was the insiders like our Chris Johnston and Pierre Lebrun and Elliot Freeman, just kind of making their way through the, through the bits and bobs of, of news that come out of this, because it is, it's, it's complicated. We've seen it from other sports in the past. We've seen it from the NFL specifically when a gambling suspension or a, or a wagering related suspension happens, there's a certain level of gasping and guesswork that takes place initially. Cause it is still shocking to see, even though we've lived in this world for a few years now where sports wagering is omnipresent and obnoxious and inescapable. Whenever you see that an athlete gets pinched for something related to it, there's that moment where you're like, oh, man. And so for the last hour or whatever it's been, we've kind of been tracking the tracking the fallout. It's fascinating. Right. Right. And just, I guess, for a peek behind the curtain, we were scheduled to start at noon. And I think like 10, 15 minutes before we were going to record, we got like the rumblings that a suspension was coming. And then the official NHL stuff starts coming out between 12 and 1230. So it really has just been like, all right, let's let's wait for all the official stuff to come out before we get going. And before we get to, to Max here, just say from the NHL's statement, the league's investigation found no evidence that Pinto made any wagers on NHL games. Um, 
But this brings in almost more unknowns because the only thing that we found laid out in the CBA is that gambling on any NHL game is prohibited. The league's not going to be going into any more detail at this time, and they likely won't. As the statement says, they said, the NHL considers this matter closed absent the emergence of new information. We will have no further comment. So it's kind of like, okay, so we didn't wager on NHL games. They're not allowed to wager on NHL games, but Shane Pinto is still suspended for 41. Max, (laughs) what do you make of this? Well, that in itself, I think, is a problem Mm -hmm. that we're not going to get more clarity on this. Yes, for us lowly podcasters, of course, (laughs) we want to be able to tell a little more than this. But actually, I think for the players, right? Like when when I'm coming to you live from Mm -hmm. Detroit where Jameson Williams Gate uh, has been playing out over the last several months. And uh, if there is any, you know, upshot that I took away from all the NFL stuff is that all the NFL's rules and nuances of this uh, are laid out very clearly. You know that you can't bet on anything at the team facility, even if you can bet on non-NFL games, you know, at home on your own time. You know kind of those little ins and outs. With the NHL, the rule is so narrow mm-hmm. that as we go looking for this yes perhaps to like do a little bit of digging that the nhl would rather not be done I, i'm sure they give their players a little more information than they give the public but i still think it serves everybody including the players for it to be rampantly out there this is what you can do this is what you can't do this is what the suspension will be with the nfl i can tell you that if you bet on your own game it's two years if you bet on an nfl game that you didn't play on it's one year and if you bet on something else at the facility or whatever, I think it's two weeks. Like, mm-hmm. I know that. And I don't cover the NFL. We should know what this is for the NHL. Right. And and I will say this seems like this should be something, you know, coming out of what's happening with Shane Pinto. Like, regardless if there's any kind of appeal that happens, like, even if Shane Pinto just takes the 41 games, like, I think the next step for the NHLPA is to go to the league and say, like, we need to put something, you know, we need to update this policy. Like, there should be some feedback to the league saying, like, hey, there needs to be more than one thing in here that's outlining this, because that's something we saw in the NFL this year, right? It was in September of this year, the league kind of um, ratcheted up its harshest punishment to a lifetime ban. Uh, If you're betting on, if there's like match fixing, like betting on your own games, like, again, if you go out and say, I'm going to bet on us losing and then you drop a bunch of passes, you're banned for life. But it also reduces its penalties for betting on other sports while at team facilities. So the one thing that the NFL did well is they laid it all out there. So players and fans, the league, everyone knows where things stand. We don't really know that with Shane Pinto. They laid it all out there with Jamison Williams specifically when he was suspended. We knew straight out of the gate that he placed a college football bet or whatever, a non-NFL bet at the team facility. So he got X games. We knew that from the jump. And then over the course of the appeals process, when they decided, you know, and, and Jamison Williams also far from the only you know, involved player involved in something like this, right? There's been plenty of NFL players or a handful of NFL players over the last couple of years who've gotten caught up in this. In the wake of that, after making it very clear why he was suspended for the amount of time he was suspended, the next step was changing the policy. And now, Haley, like you said, the punishment is less strict for betting on baseball games or college football games or whatever. And it's more strict Mm -hmm. for betting on 
NFL games, and it's way more strict for betting on te- for, on games that involve yeah. your team. You're banned for life. It's clear, <laughs> right? And I think as because d- let's be realistic. It's twelve forty four on Thursday as as we're recording this. If you're listening to this on Friday morning or Thursday night, there's a decent chance that like more news will have come out, and we're we're gonna have some maybe some more clarity, maybe some more reporting, whatever, because that's just how this stuff tends to work. But if we, so whatever talking about Shane Pinto specifically and whatever happened with him specifically is pointless. The bigger point, the bigger upshot is that whenever this happens again, because God knows it will, because it's impossible not to given the prevalence of gambling in our society, which is a whole other, whole other conversation. (laughs) This is going to happen again. And whenever it happens again, there needs to be some extra added, Clarity and specificity involved because this is no spot for ambiguity, even if it's public. And I'm not saying we have to know everything either, but there needs to be a degree of honesty and clarity here because of what it involves. It involves gambling. It involves money. It involves competitive integrity and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And again, I don't want to get into the whole gambling conversation because like you can talk, you can we can sit here and argue morality about that for, for as long as we want. But when you're talking about the competitive integrity of the league and also just the overall desire to stop this from happening moving forward and prevent NHL players from getting suspended for gambling related issues, like we got to have a better idea of what is allowed, what isn't, and what the penalties are going to look like for the varying kind of categories of offenses. Yeah, and I, I think we all have a little bit of sympathy for the players in this new frontier of figuring out, okay, I can order Chipotle from my phone at my apartment <laughs> and I can place a bet on an MLB game or whatever. If, in the case of the NFL, at least, I, we don't know the NHL's policy on this. <laughs> I can place a bet on an MLB game from my apartment. I can order Chipotle on my phone from the facility. Why wouldn't I be able to use my phone for this? Like you're figuring this out in real time <laughs> and it's going to take a couple guys getting burned, learning the right. hard way, right? Like. Absolutely. But if that's going to happen, don't let it take 10 guys mm-hmm. getting burned before you make a, a, yeah. a specific clarifier. On, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Put it out there like totally. as publicly as possible, just so that it reaches as many of your, your own people as possible. And on some, in some regard, I do feel bad for Shane Pinto because he's doing what Austin Matthews and Wayne Gretzky exhort him to do on television a million times a hockey game, right? And that's the other door that we don't necessarily need to walk through, but it, it is, it's a tough, it's a tough situation and it's the new world when it comes to, when it comes to this sort of stuff, even though we're on whatever the third full season of it being part of the, part of the process. I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think that's a steep punishment, especially when we consider how much betting content is shoved down our throats. In the year of 2023. Totally. How much money does the NHL make from those BetMGM ads? <laughs> How much money does like Sportsnet and ESPN make from their sponsored betting content? Everyone's like getting money from and the spawn con with, with sports betting. It's it's everywhere. So I don't know. I think when you've got a Wayne Gretzky BetMGM commercial every 10 minutes during a hockey game, I think slapping a 41 game suspension on a guy for not betting on an NHL game when the only rule is that you can't bet on NHL games is a little crazy to me. We don't know all the details. We don't know exactly what happened. Um, but I'm going to go out and just say it. <laughs> at this point in time, at 12.45 on Thursday, with the information we have, I think that's a really steep fine. Um, but Go ahead, Max. What I will say, though, Haley, is that 
if you're the NHL, I'm sure you'd proud, you'd prefer, I assume that these guys just not bet at all, right? You, you don't get to have that kind of control yep. over your players. Like you only get to have control over the competitive balance parts, but I can understand why the punishment would be this hard because you're trying to set an example of the, to these guys, like don't line step, don't guess, don't, you know, don't take any chances on this because the punishment, even on something that like, we'll see what it turns out to be. But the punishment can be severe no matter what it is. So like, don't take any chances. I I get that. I guess I'd rather just know exactly what happened before we can. I I know I just said I'm going to go there and say it's steep, but you know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard without knowing exactly what happened here. And we should say this, the first suspension for gambling and hockey in 75 years. (laughs) Uh, It's also one of hockey's lengthiest suspensions for off ice conduct ever. And it sounds like this is according to Daily Faceoff. So from Frank Saravalli, the league's investigation centered around a sweep of gambling partners that revealed a Pinto connection to a third party better. So that's from DFO. Yeah, the, the level of technology that these books are, are operating with and using can't really be overstated, <laughs> right? Because we saw it, we, again, and not to keep harping on the NFL examples, but we've seen it, we've seen it, in that league, like they know, they know when it's coming from from players, and that's part of the layer of I'm using like air quotes here. That layer of, you know, um, protection for in the name of integrity that that uh, that the NA that, that sports leagues tell themselves makes this okay. <laughs> you say like, well, we have we have tech, we have tech advances a b and c that that'll help sound alarms in case our players are involved that makes it okay that makes it okay to take money untold from an industry that like encourages the rot in of american society basically i mean i'm not i'm not a not a not a gambler all that much and i don't i definitely don't appreciate the level of pervasiveness that it has just across the board but if you're going to take that money and you're the NHL, you got to you got to make yourself feel better in in one way or another. And being able to say like, "Hey, we can mm-hmm. catch people when it happens" is a big part of that. So whatever you need to sleep at night, and if you and want if you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. And I think that's sort of what we're seeing what we're seeing here. Making an example mm-hmm. of Shane Pinto. It's here. not just the NHL enforcement though that that's a factor in that, right? Vegas has Correct. a big interest in tracking this because yeah. for the, for their betters to have any confidence you know, in placing bets, they yeah. got to believe and they got to know that, you know, these games aren't in quest. There's no competitive integrity. I don't believe for, for what it's worth that like a, a, a professional athlete at this level would, would do something like that. Yeah. Right. But I'm saying like betters have to have that confidence. You yeah. Know I mean? Because a big, because a big part of all the money is based on better confidence. And we're seeing with the NFL every week now. So I in, in the Atlanta, in the Atlanta Falcons game, Right, Bijan Robinson, Falcons running back, doesn't show up on the injury report. Turns out he was sick all week, and then you know basically doesn't play on Sunday. People lose their minds over this stuff, and it, and it ha- because it does it affects money publicly, legally, in a way that it just didn't before. I started Thatcher Demko in my fantasy hockey league, but he didn't actually start. Call it in. Why on Saturday? <laughs> wasn't it back to back? Why? I've got questions Start for Rick the investigation. Tockett. Why did you do this yeah. to me? I lost all of my goalie points. Why did you do this to me, Rick Tockett? Uh, this was also from the Daily Faceoff report. The Senators were believed to have been close to agreeing to terms with Pinto on a $2.2 million contract in recent weeks. 
before the organization got wind of a league investigation. In a statement, the senator stood by Pinto and said, in part, he's a valued member of our hockey club, an intelligent young man who made poor decisions that have resulted in a suspension by the NHL. We know he's remorseful for his mistakes. They said they fully support the NHL's rules on gambling and remain committed to Shane and will do whatever is necessary to, quote, provide him support to address his issues. He's also getting credit for time served, too, right? Do we know that to be a fact? Oh, it's retroactive to game one of the season. Yes. So he's yes. six games into his 41 games. If that's, if that's indeed what he'll ends be up able being. to come back, he'll be able to come back on January 21st. It looks like, um, and a, another thing that's important to say is the December 1st rule for free agents or RFAs doesn't apply to Shane Pinto because he's a group two restricted free agent. That's according to all the insiders. Um, you know, I think Pierre, CJ and Elliot Friedman have said that. So if he signed after December 1st, yes, he's not a group two RFA. So if he has signed after December 1st, he can still play in the season once he's done serving his suspension. Uh, But I guess the part about the contract talks, we should apologize for hammering Pierre Dorian last week. Right. That's the other (laughs) bizarre variable here is like of any player league wide, Two days ago, like we, or if you'd have known that this happened, it would have been like, what's, what would the most interesting case of a half season suspension, you know, being doled out? Like, well, who would it be? And he's like, oh, would, it'd be wild if Shane Pinto randomly got suspended for a half season yeah. because of his guy. Con- everyone's because been of his, like, yes. Why the hell can't Pierre Dorian get this over the finish line? It's because yeah. of his contract status, because of what he means to that lineup long term, you know, because of all the heat that Dorian's taken back. <laughs> back to when he signed Vladimir Tarasenko and, you know, changed the cap math for this season for them. It's, it's wild. It's, it's, it's crazy that this happened at all. And it's very, it's even crazier that it was Shane Pinto. Did we curse the Ottawa Senators? I think that's the question. Did we curse the Ottawa Senators last week? The three of us personally. Well, we almost did because it looked like Brady Kachuk was like almost seriously injured. And it was like, Oh no, that's the injury to get Shane Pinto to sign. Uh, he came back and was fine, but that was like a, Oh God, what have we done moment for me? It was like, you know what? This was from the first season of the athletic hockey show. And it was still Ian Mendez and I on Mondays and we had Keith Kachuk on and we were laughing about how Brady and Matthew like, like they chew on the mouth guards and they do all that stuff. And Walt made some joke like, if he ever loses a chiclet, like, I'm not paying for it. <laughs> and then, like, two days later, Brady Kachuk lost a bunch of teeth. And I was like, oh, oh, no. Craig and I had one of those with so, Jack Hughes. We, we, talked, we <laughs> talked to Jack at the beginning of, oh, God, I don't even remember what season it was. It was when he separated his shoulders. When he separated his shoulder. We, we shoulders. shoulders. He has three shoulders, too. He's a biological marvel. Um, we basically had it. We were like, yeah, we had a great interview with Jack. It was after he threw his stick into the stands and all, and, and all that stuff. Had, had a great time. He goes out and gets hurt immediately. Thir- Tuesday boys curse. RIP. This is, this is the Thursday boys with Bailey Salvian <laughs> with only two Z's. <laughs> Thursday boys, two Z's with your host, Haley Salvian.
I, I think uh, just just to wrap on the on the Pinto thing though. Like, <laughs> Wait a second! Wait, no, 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 no. We're, we're not. We're, we're done. We're done talking about serious stuff here. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, okay. Max. Do you have any final thoughts on Pinto before we had to break? It's just that, that, that I wouldn't expect this to be the last time that we we're gonna find what the lines are here. It seems like by trial and error, and that's gonna be a tough situation for a lot of players. I have a lot of sympathy for not even knowing what happened. I have sympathy for Shane Pinto. Just because with how it how the the rollout of this, the suddenness of this, he is in the demographic that is going to be finding the lines here, and he's not going to be the only one. And so I, I got a lot of sympathy for the players. Doesn't mean that I think the punishments uh, aren't going to be necessary because that's how the lines will eventually be drawn. It it sucks for the players, but it's the reality that we're in based on the the direction of the league and the 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 gambling. Uh, status in our in our uh, continent has taken yep well said all right let's head to a quick break when we come back does anyone actually care about the nhl draft other than the media people who are booze bags during that weekend well we'll we'll discuss all right so the other bit of news really good timing for this podcast guys we're getting the we're getting some newsy stuff in here Uh, So yesterday, this is from our new NHL insider, Chris Johnson at The Athletic. The majority of NHL teams support the decentralization of the draft, according to a league memo. Um, Essentially, this would just the draft like the NHL draft has been a pretty unique event in terms of major sport drafts. Everyone's there. You get the draft tables. It's a, you know, two day thing. Da, 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 da. But under the proposed decentralized model laid out in this memo, the league would use a 5,000 to 10,000 seat venue, have one or two representatives from each club. Prospects would be greeted by the commissioner and a team rep on the draft stage, photo op, and then, you know, go with their family to the club's home city after finishing the broadcast. Like it would just, instead of having everyone be at the draft for two days, it would be a much more scaled down version, kind of like the NBA, NFL. The question I have for the fans, for our dear listeners, I should say, like, do you care about this? Do fans care about the draft? I'm not sure. We'll wait to hear their answers. But like, Max, what do you think? You're like, a, you have more to do on draft day than Sean and I. I didn't do Speak anything last yourself. year. Sean did. Very, Sean live very busy. Yeah, I was wandering around the <laughs> arena with Mac and do it for the second consecutive year trying to find stuff happening. Things in the, to yeah. talk about. But like Max, what do you what do you make of this? Uh, you asked if fans uh, care about this. I, I think that this is not a decentralized draft is not going to make fans care more about the NHL draft. Mm-hmm. Like w- when you look at the the big drafts that I, I think are like kind of appointment viewing TV, you're talking about the NFL draft and the NBA draft, mm-hmm. and I can understand the argument that those are not like the whole league is on site drafts. The difference is those players are going to be on those teams mm-hmm. that year. Yeah. And in most cases, they're going to be playing big roles, especially in the first rounds. Um, the NHL is much more like the MLB draft. And you're not going to see these guys for three or four or five years in most cases. And so, therefore, I don't think that the – and certainly you don't have the the lead up, the same you know NCAA football and NCAA basketball to have the familiarity with these players. You're mostly drafting guys that the majority of like non-diehard fans haven't – aren't super familiar with mm-hmm. and now they're that's the that's the whole draw and they're not going to be there for three or four years so 
I think this is a, a whiff on the NHL's part. I, I get it. I'm in the, the media cohort that loves to have my week-long party in <laughs> Nashville and Montreal and hopefully Vegas. Las Vegas, right? <laughs> but I also do think it, it's a it's a missed opportunity because you get those draft floor interviews. The most recognizable people at the NHL draft certainly are the GMs that talk after their team picks for like 30 seconds to Emily Kaplan mm-hmm. and Elliot Friedman. And I think losing that is a, a bigger loss than is maybe being given credit for. I wonder what fan, if fans will now be less apt to travel to the draft, right? Where like in <clears throat> Montreal is a great example, uh, or whatever, Montreal and Nashville, either either or those those are the two ones that are still fresh in my mind. Yeah, we saw local fans there, but it also, you know, was a vacation destination. I think in some regards for other hockey fans from right. other hockey markets. I don't know if that's going to change now. I, right, because like f- on one hand, part of what made the NHL draft different is because you could go and see GMs and front offices and coaches and this huge media cohort, and I think that maybe was to some extent part of the reason that it was such a big deal. But if you're a diehard fan to the level that you're going to make a trip, a special trip to Vegas or Dallas or Columbus or wherever, I don't know if it matters to you all that much that like the full front office of your favorite team is there. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm on the, I'm on the fence with this. It, it, it's bad for us. It's, it's certainly, it's certainly, well, and it's bad for media people. That's, that's undeniable. It's good for the host cities too. Like let's, as you said, Sean, like it's locals, it's tourists. Like there's a kind of a big boon for local tourism, given how many people like show up to that city. <laughs> we um, filled up a hotel in Nashville, the athletic alone all the teams do <laughs> yeah. fans do but again it's one of those things where it seems like for an nhl team for your entire staff to not have to go to the host city like two days before free agency like i can understand why teams are saying like i don't i don't want to have to do this but at, at the same time like the nhl has something unique in the way that they do the draft i think a lot of I wonder how that would affect trades like maybe maybe we're overthinking how much activity happens on the draft floor because these GMs can just pick up the phone and call each other instead of talking on the draft floor but we do see a lot of trades either conversations start at the draft happen during the draft after the draft I wonder how that would shake that up it's probably they'd probably just call each other well also this past like nashville was kind of a dud on the trade front like there wasn't there wasn't that much action like speaking at least in comparison to the last the last couple i mean there was nothing 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 wild went down we had the you know uh, there were a handful like riley smith was was the first one to come to mind because i had to write that trade grade from my hotel room or whatever but there's i don't know i i wonder because it's like now the league's fi- the league's fine with doing it, you know. The majority, the majority of the league is, is is okay with you know the decentralization. I wonder if Nashville was a little bit busier, and if there was some more big business that got done on the floor, if maybe that would be enough to change a few teams' minds. It's like we're coming off a draft that <laughs> is much fun as everybody had partying in terms of in terms of trade action and all that sort of stuff. It was sort of eh, it was it was sort of flat. So I don't know if that's like. 
the one that's freshest on teams' minds. So they're like, ah, there's not that much stuff going on. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. It is, and it is kind of a bummer. Honestly, selfishly, it's, it's a, it's a bummer because that was not just a fun night, not just a fun stretch to go out and get, you know, get silly with, with your, with your colleagues, but it was, you know, a good networking opportunity when you know that every agent and every front office person and every co is this, it was really easy to run into people and talk to them and, you know, start building relationships that way. So selfishly, I'm, I'm bummed by it. And I, again, not to be kind of the annoying, like travel anxiety planner person of like trying to get all these things done. If you're an NHL team, like think of how many people's flights got oh. messed up trying to get out of Nashville. My flight was delayed by like nine hours and I didn't, I had to get back to, you know, cover free agency. I didn't have to get back for, you know, to start signing players. So I can imagine just the logistical nightmare. And it, what was it? I think LeBron had a story where he essentially just asked different NHL execs what they think about it. And Lou Lamorello, I mean, it's a great point. He's like, you had the draft last year on the 28th and 29th. Qualifying offers are due on the 30th and free agency was on the 1st. So you're in a period of four days, you're trying to get pretty important information and decisions crammed in and you're taking the risk of weather, travel interruptions and all these things that you can't really control. So it seems like just from a scheduling, <laughs> doing our jobs standpoint, a lot of GMs are like, yeah, we're, we're all in. And also we had weather this past year too. Getting out of Nashville was a shit show. It was, it was. I just said that. Hmm? <laughs> I just said Specifically that. about Nashville? Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember what stuff you say on the pod, and then then what you said before we actually <laughs> recorded it when it was just the three of us talking. I just said it was a nightmare getting out of Nashville. I was just I was daydreaming about what it's about what a nightmare it was getting out of Nashville. Yeah, Max, <laughs> do you have a thought? <laughs> no, I, I just I, I get it. It's inconvenient for the teams, but I I think this is it's worth the hassle for the increased spectacle you don't want to be the baseball <laughs> of all the drafts that's the one you don't want to be and you're you're trending yeah. more that way than the other way with this move is my opinion so I don't do know. we get the big pop in montreal if if it's a decentralized draft do we get the moment where it's like the slavkovsky which was like yeah. that felt like a wwe event honestly with the, with the way and the gasps when leo carlson goes second it was like <gasps> the, I think the diehards think will still so. go to Sean's I think, point, I think we but still I think get it's that. just it's it's the grow the game yeah. thing. It's like you want to you're on ESPN. Give them as much reason as possible to not change the channel. Give them faces or names that they know and Mac can do. Sean McIndoo is not an overly excitable dude. He's pretty even keel. I have never, and I've known him for a long time. I have never seen him get more excited in person than when it seemed like the Habs were going to keep trading back up so they could take Shane Wright after 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 taking Slavkowski. Like he was he was it was like a a fifteen happen? out of ten for McIndoo. <laughs> it was it was as, it was as, it was as amped as I've ever seen him. I'm going to miss that if that's what that's we've funny. lost. <laughs> I am I am strongly against this. Because for as funny as he is, and for people who listen to who listen to him on the Athletic Hockey Show or Puck Soup or like know him, like Sean Mac, like talking to McIndoo is different than reading McIndoo, <laughs> which is like a very oh, funny so thing. Deadpan. Yeah, he's so yeah. Yeah. It's like oh, when I first met him, I was like oh, telling you, man. In that moment, you're not in that, that funny moment. In person, the idea of the Canadians <laughs> somehow trading their trading their way back up to get right, he was he was losing it. 
Yeah. And that's another thing about moving the draft. That dinner that we <laughs> we were both had with Mac and Do after whichever day of the draft that was. I think that was after the second day of the draft. That's the first extended time I've ever spent with the man. I never would have had that in a decentralized draft. So for my sake, if no one <laughs> you else swayed, you've swayed me. We need to, we, to we, we need to put a stop yeah. to this. Keep this. Was I at that dinner? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. There were several of us there. Yeah, you were there. You you showed up late because you were breaking PWHL news about the merger. Oh, yeah. You remember this? Yeah, yeah, I showed up. I went to Tootsie's at 2.30 in the morning after I finished writing that story. Well, with my little kitty tootsies, cat tootsies, shirt. Where's the shirt. The shirt with the cat that was crying with the cowboy hat on. I spent $50 on that. Where's, toots- where's Tootsie's? Or Nashville. I've never heard <laughs> yes, of Tootsie's. Or Nashville specifically. Economic stimulation. Is anyone getting this? Like, we're buying fits just for this draft. It'll but be good for the economy. Marge, Marge <laughs> Simpson, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hurts just nobody. buy it. You don't have to justify everything. Anyways, listeners, let us know. Do you care about this? Did we just talk about something for <laughs> 10 minutes that you don't care about? If so, I'm really Yeah, but well, what else is new? <laughs> if so, if so, learn to care yeah. about it because you should. <laughs> if so, just go and watch the video on my Instagram at Haley.Salvian of Jeremy Rutherford walking through... The drive-thru ordering <laughs> burgers and milkshakes for everybody. It's really funny. I think you'll appreciate it. <laughs> if, if you need a reason to care, DM me on Twitter. I'll send you a photo of myself from after the second <laughs> night of the draft that'll make you care. Max. <laughs> me on a Nashville rooftop I was living a it. I was a good boy all weekend. I didn't do any anything irresponsible. <laughs> Why'd you have to say it like that? It's very strange. Nothing. All right. Well behaved. Okay. All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some actual hockey stuff for a moment. I feel like we should talk about Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes! Seems like a good plan. We'll be right back. So there's only one game on Wednesday night. Washington Capitals beat the New Jersey Devils 6-4. to four. Bit of a wild one. Devils score three goals in less than two minutes in the second period to come back against the Caps who were up in the first and then the Caps come back in the third to end up beating the Devils. So I guess we should probably apologize to Washington for saying that they were essentially terrible last week. I, I Kind of a fun game, I'm, though. I'm I won't. I think I'll, they're, I'll I think they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think our good friends, uh, I noticed our, our old friend Sarah Sivian tweeted the other day, is Washington bad? It was like, Yeah. Sibs on it. Be. They're terrible. <laughs> they're, going, they're going to be very bad. <laughs> you might be right, girl. Uh, but you know I, who's not bad? Yeah, yeah. I think the main reason we want to talk about that game is Jack Hughes. Uh, three assists in that game last night to get himself up to 17 points the first six games this season for the Devils. Do you know who the other players to do that are in recent history? This is from Sportsnet Stats. This morning, the most recent players with 17 plus points in their first six games of a season. Jack Hughes, Marla Mew, Wayne Gretzky. Thoughts? I have him. I have him as the second best player from that group. <laughs> should we ask who is? Uh, oh, I don't think you need to ask. <laughs> He's from Pittsburgh. Sean Gentilly He's from, from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pennsylvania. <laughs> what do you think? Jack Hughes is American and Mary Lemieux played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So you can just draw your own conclusions from those two little data points. Can I just say as a really funny aside that when I was in high school, I had a first date with somebody and my dad 
asked him before he allowed <laughs> me to go on the date, who do you think is better, Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky? And the guy said, Mario Lemieux, and my dad was pissed. And what happened? <laughs> we went to the movies yeah, and we never spoke whatever, again. Whatever, whatever became of that fellow. <laughs> that I hope he's listening to this. That'd be really funny. If you listen... Hey, Mark, if you listen to the Athletic Hockey Show, <laughs> how you doing? Anyways, Jack Hughes. This was another stat from Amanda Stein. I don't know why I just said that. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, last night was Jack Hughes' 250th career game. Uh, his career stats, 91 goals, 133 assists, 224 points. And that is including a rookie season in which people were so mean to Jack Hughes. What do we think? He's a game breaker. Yeah. Like what? Do, He's a game. Like, like I, have we even seen, this is such a lame podcast question, but like, have we seen his ceiling yet? Well, that was a question this last off season. People were wondering, you know, what 99 points or whatever. People were like, okay, was, like, sometimes you do see, and I don't think anyone thought we've seen the best of Jack Hughes, but sometimes in terms of just points that, that marker happens at like age 22, 23. Uh, and I think it was a question people had, and he has answered it so far, and that he is going to continue, I think, to find this level. I mean, it's it's a great team. It's a great offensive team. That helps, like, it, that his team just keeps getting better around him. But I, I'm not saying we need to put him in, like, the McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh guys you can count on to score 100 points without fail kind of thing. But he's Because that's, that's really – who else is in that group? Right now, you're like at the at the start of the season. You're like 100 points. Ding. Count it. Well, that's McIndoo's yep. thing, right? Like when he when he does that thing, it's pick a non Edmonton mm-hmm. Oiler who's going to score 100 yep. points on like actually on the on and the you, on hit on the preseason on the preseason poll. Right, I'm, I was going through that. Like I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Matthews, Yeah, it gets tough. It gets tough quickly, and that kind of conversation you know, drops down to maybe the next level of player. Maybe that's where we're talking about Jack Hughes or if we're talking about Tim Stutzlow. 90 points is really hard, right? It's tough. And for, for, for those guys consistently staying in that neighborhood is no small tasks. There there are great players in the league right now who can't get there. Like I had, and I had that discussion about Sebastian Ajo specifically where it's like, we love Sebastian Ajo, but the dude is not, you know, he hasn't been a 90 point scorer. A 90-point pace guy, right? There's been injuries and whatever else. It's really, really tough. Forget 100 points. Like, if, even still, in the, in the NHL, if you are a reliable 90-point level person, 90-point level player, like, that's something to be proud of, right? And we're watching Jack, it seems like right now, you know, level up even from that. It's, it's rarefied air. So he he's the other thing I love about Jack Hughes is he's a showman. Yes. You know, he, he scores these goals and he plays to the crowd. And I think in the era of ESPN and drawing people in, he is exactly what the league needs. And and Zegers has a little bit of it too, but he's not on that Jack level mm-hmm. where he's not as you good. can expect that you're gonna watch a game. <laughs> yeah. Jack's gonna do something incredible. Mm-hmm. We also saw him we saw him connect with Timo Meyer last night too. I think I thought that was a nice, nice little bit of added value for the devils because Myers, you know, his start to the season was slow. He got benched at one point. Now all of a sudden, like, because he's, 
you know, getting getting some time there. Like his production's back up where where mm-hmm. it needs to. It's like a rising tide lifts all boats kind of situation. Yeah, he might be the most entertaining player to watch to start the season, or at least one of them. Uh, you know, so we don't upset the West Coast crowd. I'm sorry, I haven't watched that much of the Oilers this season because those games have not been fun. I apologize. I'm very sorry. Um, but he's got, as Max was saying, he's got game-breaking talent, and he's like leading his team and in, in, in the league in so many different categories, mm-hmm. like primary scoring chances created, rush offense created, like for the team. He's leading the team in ice time, shots on goal. Um, obviously, he's leading the league in scoring right now. Like This is just an electric player, and it's interesting. We do these season predictions every year um, at the company, right? And Sean and I and, and Shayna and Jesse kind of do the write-ups after but everyone on staff um, you know puts in their predictions and I feel like we probably underrated Jack Hughes mm-hmm. in like the Hart Trophy or Art Ross conversations I don't think he got many votes it was mostly like Connor McDavid Austin Matthews I know it's only six games into the season but should Jack Hughes have gotten a little bit more love in those categories I think part of that just stems from yes, us being that- it's difficult like he was unbelievable last year Right. Jack Hughes had 99 points last year. Right. So you look at that and I think it's natural to say, okay, is it reasonable to expect a player to do better than 43 goals and 56 assists over the course of a full season? Like it's a, it's a tough leap to make because not that many players have done it. So I think that was maybe part of the reason that, you know, in polls like that, that he didn't, he didn't get that level of love. Right. But it's in, in hindsight, you know, six games in, it feels like, feels like an oversight. There's also that kind of catch up factor. Like, you know, I voted for Nathan McKinnon. No, I think, uh, I don't know if I voted for McKinnon or McDavid, but I vote based on, I think partly I, these teams that you know are going to be so relevant mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of a catch up factor. The The devils are going to be president's trophy contenders this year. And if Jack Hughes has like 110 points on a president's trophy winning or contending devils team, I think that that has a better argument uh, for the Hart Trophy than even like a McKinnon who plays with, you know, Kale McCarr, who is going to get some Hart consideration too. Yeah. And we should also consider McDavid's out right now as one to two weeks. Um, Is he going to catch up to Jack Hughes when he comes back and is healthy? It's possible. That dude is insane. Um, But there is a scenario in which McDavid doesn't lead the NHL in scoring this year. And it ends up being, if it's not Jack Hughes, it's someone else. So I feel like this is one of those years where just by virtue of McDavid not playing a full 82, that it might open up the window for somebody else. Like that's how good that guy is. Like you need McDavid to not play for, for a week for him to not be the guy when it's all said and done. And he still might be. Hughes is also playing 22 minutes a night and he, he was under, he was just under 20 last year. He's into that 22. Now like that's what it's going to take is, is that kind of usage too. And I think it's like a principle that we've seen particularly in, in the NBA when you have like, a generation, a true generational, true, true transcendent talent, like the Michael Jordans, the Shaquille O'Neal's, LeBron James. At a certain point, voters get tired of voting for the same person year after year after year. It's not, it might not be fair, but it happens. There's a level of fatigue that sets in when you have someone who on balance is just the number, the unquestioned best player in the league. Obviously that's Connor McDavid right now. And it wouldn't, Barring something bizarre, it will be for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future. That doesn't mean, though, 
that there aren't individual seasons where if you're a voter, you say like, oh, Connor played 71 games and he's still like, what? you start poking holes in the candidacy because it's just human nature to get tired of, of that level of greatness. I, for, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, that's, that is what happens. Because they're, like, again, to go back to the NBA, Sha- Sha- Shaquille O'Neal should have won a, a half dozen MVP trophies. He just didn't because people, because people got, got sick of the concept. And I think that that could be, you know, the sort of thing that opens the door for Hughes to really make a legit heart run this season. Like you're, you're seeing stuff kind of start to slide into place, whether it's McDavid's mm-hmm. injury, the devil's team, like leveling up as, as a team, like it's, it's possible here. And and we should mention too when we're talking about the Devils, like I know Jack Hughes is is the star and and he's the main part of the conversation here. Tyler Toffoli looks great on that team as expected, but like everyone kind of knew that was one of those moves where it was just like Flames probably should have tried to get more for him, but also like yeah, great job. This is this is perfect. Tyler Toffoli is going to slot in great <laughs> on one of those wings, and he's been unbelievable. I think he had like what two goals, two goals, four points or five points last night in that game. So that team looks like they could be a wagon. He looks like a perfect like supporting piece with Jack. Like, like that fit is could not be better. To I Sean's mean, he's point about one of the, the best naturally gifted goal scorers in the league right now too. Second in the forget. league right now in individual expected goals too. So that's a, that's a product of Tyler him. Toffoli. Yep, that's a product at five on five. That's a product of him knowing where to go and a product of Jack Hughes being able to find him. He's a, he's a 30 goal guarantee guy mm-hmm. and he's on the wing of one of the best centers in the league right now. That was always going to work out. <laughs> to Sean's point about the voters too, like, I, I am one of these voters. I don't know how you guys feel about this. Like I am a literalist with the heart trophy, mm-hmm. like most valuable to his team. And I know some people hate that. It should just be like the most outstanding player. But like it, when you look at Jack Hughes, like he is the most valuable to his team right now, based on how this season has started. I don't think that's a hot take, but like that's going to help him too. Like when you, when you think about some of the competition that he'll have, you know, he, I think he stands out from them as how central he is to, to their success. And that's going to work in his favor. hundred percent. And this might be a, a tired, conversation because it's been a few years since his rookie season, but I don't, I don't know if there's a better example of why people need to chill out on teenagers playing in their first seasons in the NHL than Jack Hughes like this. He was 18 years old. No, he didn't play great, but like he hated, he said, I I hated it. His rookie season, he was like miserable and it's like an overwhelming period. And like people were naming this kid at 18 years old, the biggest bust ever to hit the league. <laughs> and now he's not. Him, so <laughs> no. remember it with Connor Bedard. I mean, yeah. like it, it, it's a similar thing. People are not as mean junior hockey to Bedard. Yeah, it's because he's Canadian but. and there's, a, there's an <laughs> anti-American. And he's had better numbers to yes. start. He has, but like yeah. he will find the sim- similar challenges. I think, like in terms of being a slight guy who is coming into this men's league, having only played junior hockey and having to learn new ways to do it. But they are both so good. Jack was obviously so good that he learned those ways. Now you would have never called Jack Hughes. I don't think a like surefire forty goal no. scorer in his draft year. Mm-hmm. Like it was the playmaking. It was the speed. He scored forty three goals last year. He's going to top that this year. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bedard is is the goal scorer. Coming into last year, it was like the goal scoring is going to come. Like, like we had seen enough, I think, in the in the preceding season to say like, okay, 
He's more of a finisher than we thought he was. He'll score 40 goals someday. Yeah. And someday was last season, right? Yeah. Like, he's there. He's right. there. Isn't that the tweet from Dom, like, when Jack Hughes f- learns how to finish, like, it's over for for you folks? <laughs> and it's just like, oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> he did thought it. it would yeah, take him so. until he was 24 or whatever, and it hasn't. <laughs> he's here. So. so it'll be the same with Bedard, I think, to some degree. I think he'll, he'll he's not going to have 21 points in 60-whatever games like Jack did. But if it's not a point per game immediately, like remember Jack Hughes and discuss okay. Bedard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Max. Um, all right, final thing before we wrap up the show today. A little bit of news that came out before we started the show on my end. Uh, potential names for the Professional Women's Hockey League's original six franchises have been revealed. So I'm going to give a stick tap to DetroitHockey.net, uh, that website. They were the first ones to find this. So essentially, one thing that I've been doing throughout this process is just checking the U.S. Uh, patent and Trademark Office website and just looking up PWHL to see if there's anything new. Uh, and they beat me to it. Uh, so yesterday, the PWHL Holdings LLC, which is the group that's been filing trademarks for the league name, the logos, etc., um, filed applications for some team names. And they're not great. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> uh, applications for the Toronto Torch, Montreal Echo, Ottawa Alert, Minnesota Superior, Boston Wicked, and New York Sound were filed with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office on Wednesday. I found this out Thursday morning. We have a story on The Athletic about it. Um, we've Before we get into this, we need to say trademark applications don't necessarily mean that these will be the team names when puck drops for the season in January. Uh, we've seen this before, like when the Seattle Kraken, the Vegas Golden Knights, like there were other things that they filed before they officially said we are the Seattle Kraken. So let's just put that out there before we say, I really hope that these aren't the final team names in some of these cases because we've had like so many iconic, I would say iconic women's hockey franchise names in the past. I thought the Toronto Furies was like lights out. Loved that. Honestly, I don't love the whole like Lady Bruins, Lady Penguins, Lady Leafs thing, but Lake Canadienne de Montreal was fire. I loved it. The players loved it. Like the Boston Pride, Minnesota Whitecaps, the New York Riveters, Calgary Inferno. Like those were all objectively better than what we have right now. Uh, it's not great. What? You don't like the alert? What is that? <laughs> is that a re- is it a reference? So, like, how okay, about this? So hey, here's, is, here's my. That was no, okay. no, 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 no. That was the name of the first ever pro women's team in Ottawa, like years and years and years ago. Like that's like a nod to some like old women's hockey history, which is kind of cool, but the name still sucks. Okay. It reminds me of a red alert. Someone's gone missing. The Boston wicked. Is, is that a Boston, like Bostonism joke? Absolutely. Either that or it's either that or it's a reference to new England, witch trials when they burned women, when they were, you know, upset whatever it's insane it's it's really like, bad. It, okay tough. so it's like it it's just a it's a slang reference like i want to sit here and say that the american teams are better have better names because you know what they're referen- what they're referencing right new york sound new york sound sounds good bad, i think the new, york, the new york sound what are the mascots for these things it's a blue note it's like the volume button on your <laughs> computer <laughs> well cuz they're playing in it's just going to be like 
they're playing in Bridgeport. That's where their primary where where they're going to be primarily. It has located. not been reported at this time, but potentially primary location. Primary. But I can say okay. I can say that I do believe that they are going to be playing. I I do believe that they will be playing some of their home games in Bridgeport. Bridgeport, Connecticut, is on Long Island Sound. <laughs> so. And the Bridgeport Sound Tigers have been, they're no longer called that, but they were called, the AHL team in Bridgeport was called the Sound Tigers for quite a while. Great. Minnesota Superior, Lake Superior. (laughs) Starting to get dodgy. Boston Wicked. Like, what? It's just like, the Boston Mass Holes. That that, that might as as well have been what they they call this team. It's brutal. I don't like it. Brutal. And I think the pride... Like the Boston Pride with the lion logo, like that was pretty cool. I understand that they want to, like, if the league wants to start fresh and not take stuff from the CW or the PHF, original NWHL, like they want to just have something new. But it's hard to name things, right? It is. Yes, and trademarking is is a pain in the ass too. Like the process of that, like that sucks. Like to get over certain hoops, like God knows how many random rugby soccer hockey football teams are called something cooler than the toronto torch so they can't have it (laughs) i can't get past toronto torch it should be the toronto scorch (laughs) bring back scorch they should have a team in calgary yes oh my god that would be so great. So I don't think Max. So this is the segment of the show where Sean and I tell Max some mascot history, because Max okay. only knows What's the that? creepy Friar guy, Friar Dom. Friar Dom. <laughs> so Scorch was the mascot of the Adirondack Flames, the former affiliate of the Calgary Flames, and he was just a little flame. He was just like a fire and they announced him in a video where like he killed a firefighter. Overpowered a firefighter, I think is probably the best, the best way to put this. Like they announced him with this like video and then immediately had to apologize and like scorch. Scorch died. Like Scorch went away. This is (laughs) like they Scorch died. The firefighters got the revenge. They the Scorch just you know he he extinguished. Yeah, Scorch was exactly what I hear. This is in 2014. (laughs) I I did a post about this. I just like bit the microphone. Sorry. This was in 2014. I wrote a post about it at my old old workplace, (laughs) SportingNews.com. The story from this is that Scorch was a remaining ember from a fire that destroyed Glen Falls, New York in 1864. That, that is like the mascot bio in the, that they that they pumped up whenever they're like, here's Scorch when he fights, you know, fights a firefighter. It's wild. <laughs> lasted it lasted a couple days. We're extin- we're extinguishing right. Scorch. How the Flames president said back then. This the misjudgment we made was such that we came to that decision. Like but he'll live on forever. In our hearts, for sure. Power rankings: Friar Dom, Scorch, Bluey. Bluey. I like. Bowie. Oh yeah, Bluey. Bluey. Bluey is not a mascot. Bluey is a children's cartoon character. Okay. Uh, sorry. Sorry to Bluey. Wait, Bo- you Bowie. like Friar Dom? <laughs> Friar Dom's number one. I thought we He's were undefeated. afraid of Friar Dom. 
That's why we love him. I'm a Bowie mm. guy. I think Bowie's cool. I don't like, I think, I don't like Bowie. What has Bowie done to you? This is the second second week in a row. I just think Scorch is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I would like to apologize to anyone in the firefighting community who was offended by Scorch. But What's what's Bowie's battle record? Scorch is one and one. Hmm. <laughs> Bowie's a bridge troll, so he's definitely done some things. But like light 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 pickpocketing <laughs> at best. Isn't that the whole thing? Like you have to cross the bridge if you can answer my riddles three. You just gotta pay uh, the troll toll. Yeah. That was he takes your gum. All right. Your lunch money. All right, Tuesday boys. Oh, was that your whole thing? Oh, to get into the comment yeah. section. Thanks for bringing it up. To get into the comment section on Thursday, hashtag twosies one said with Haley, you have to pay Bowie a toll. Actually, I, can we take submissions? I'd love to learn a mascot per week. No, people I don't. have some interest. <laughs> non NHL. I want to learn a mascot a I week. I said before sure. last week I don't want I don't want to talk about mascots. And now here we are. Two weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna run these power rankings: Friar Dom, Scorch, Bowie, and we're gonna add to them. What about the dude who fainted? The Denver number Nuggets one. mascot, <laughs> number no. one. I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know. Next him. week, save it for next week. Save that for next week. I don't. I don't want to. We know talked about him last week, Max. I must have been on my phone. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna end the show. You watch the Sean send Max the video while I do the outro, Max actually watch the video why does nobody listen to me by the way max didn't listen about the denver guy sean repeated the things that i said at least three times today. oh no no i did i know i remember this I, for, I forgot that that's who this was yeah. i no, I, I remember this i forgot yeah. who this was yeah it's yeah. fine this was great the, the yeah. rocky rocky <laughs> not the sure. lowering his body not sure if he was like unconscious <laughs> the entire time or if he fainted halfway through either way it's very funny yeah. anyways Things got off the rails. I don't know if we should talk about mascots anymore. Anyways. Not till next week, at least. Yeah. Save that for next week. Uh, in the meantime, the Athletic Hockey Show returns on Monday with Ian Mendez and Julian McKenzie. And just a reminder, subscribe to The Athletics. No, it's The Athletic NHL. I do this mm -hmm. every week. Subscribe to The Athletic NHL's YouTube channel. You can keep all this in. It's fine. You don't have to cut this out at youtube.com slash at The Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>